As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tatecast. I am Davis Maddock. You guys can follow me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my buddy, Ryan Doubt. You guys can follow him on Twitter, at RC Doubt. He is a former professional poker player, former professional DFS player, which we definitely get into in the episode, and now is uh, you know just kind of trading and hanging out in the crypto space full-time. He is one of the OG crypto punk adopters and very busy and interested in the decentralized finance space. So I kind of just picked his brain about what it's like to exist in that world right now. A reminder that we are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. You can uh, get a free wager for 10 bucks inside of their Pick'em game or their Rivals game right now using the promo code GRID. A link to their app will be found in the description for the show. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, welcoming into the show, Ryan Doubt. Uh, he previously joined the show in an episode people actually really liked. Uh, that was, uh, I think, one of the most listened episodes of 2021. And uh, funnily enough, I remember I titled it Over Aggressive in All Nodes because that was in your Twitter bio. And now you changed it. You're, you're under aggressive across all nodes now. I, I actually think it was always under aggressive, but I thought you did it on purpose. Oh, well, then that's on me. Yeah, either, no, no, no. I, I thought, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was, I thought it was a good, a good balance. There we go. Yeah. So how's it going, bud? How are you enjoying yeah. NFT summer? <laughs> uh, I hope, I hope it lasts through NFT fall. Otherwise I'm going to be bag holding some shit, but um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. It's uh, so I have just recently gotten into like the, the minting and the, you, I mean, there's just, there's just so much. Um, but it's, it is the most fascinating movement in crypto since I have been paying attention to it. Like this, all of this stuff, the NFTs and the decentralized finance, like even when we did the show, well, I want to say like six months ago, seven months ago, maybe, I feel like it was, we, like we were, we were not even thinking about all this stuff. Like you didn't even have a punk then. No, I didn't have a punk then. I, I don't think, I don't know if at the time I was doing very much DeFi, um, Actually, actually, it must have been last year because I remember vividly that Bitcoin was right about 15,000. So it right. must have been like November of last year. Um, so I wasn't, you know, really doing much DeFi at that point. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've had two explosions in the past year in crypto that have totally changed how everybody looks at everything. 
Yeah. So I, I guess, I mean, one of the places that I want to start with, because we talked a lot about poker and DFS last time that you were on the show, and we don't need to, to go over that territory. Again, if you guys want to listen to the first episode with Ryan, I think it still holds up and I still think it would be very good. But I, this is just a, a personal curiosity. And I've seen this with some of my other buddies who like, you know, I'm in these discords and everything with, but they've been making so much money and have been so busy with cryptos and, you know, minting NFTs and buying and selling and trading these that like week one of the DFS season got here and they were like, who cares? Like, what, what am I even, what am I even doing registering for all of these games or caring about these tournaments when NFT roulette is so much more profitable? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically how it is for me. Um, I, so I can talk more specifics now at the beginning of last season, I think I loaded up my accounts with something like $80,000. Yeah. By, by the end of the Super Bowl, I had something like 320,000. If I had just bought Bitcoin with that 80,000, I would have done better than, than I did in DFS in Forexing. And, um, Coming into this season, I was like, you know what? It's, it's even more lopsided than that because, I mean, I'm not a tournament player. I, I, I will maybe, you know, fire one GPP lineup that I put in the, um, the, the, the small entry stuff. Under aggressive but, across all nodes. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, mainly cash. And the thing with cash is you really just, you're registering all week long. And then like the last 10 minutes, you're canceling off your unfilled heads ups. You're, you're searching for context. Like, I don't want to be like mashing buttons for, for pretty low EV. I mean, at this point, it's hard to think that my ROI in NFL cash games for a main slate are more than like 8%. And, uh, and that would be on, you know, not that high a number of buy-ins compared to how it was in the past. Um, sure. You know, people are just better now. So I, I don't think it's, it's really worth the time. So, so week one, I played the three main showdown slates. That was it. Just, just cash and just, just the three showdowns, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football. Um, I didn't play the main slate. I, I was around to help, you know, some buddies with the main slate and, and I looked at the lineups, but uh, I didn't actually even sit. Um, had no interest. First, yeah. first NFL main slate Sunday in what, like eight years probably it's, for it to not be that way. Yeah. 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 So what, what, I mean, what was that like? You're, did you watch the games on Sunday or were you just like out, you know, walking the dogs and playing tennis and stuff instead? Yeah, I played tennis on Sunday morning and then I came back. I took a glance at, at the Sunday night football stuff. I, I worked on that for a bit, not, not too long. Um, and that, that was about it. Like it, it was, it was pretty relaxing to not have to, cause I mean, I'm on Pacific time. I, you know, in the past would wake up at six in the morning, right. do an hour of work, walk the dogs, eat breakfast, do another two and a half hours of work and, and then kind of veg out. And, and in the past, I wasn't a big game watcher either. Like I, I would skip the 10 a.m. games and like go disconnect. I'd usually watch one of the better 1 p.m. games and I'd watch the Sunday night football game, but I, I never watched the 10 a.m. games. Um, generally, they were the worst set of games and sure. I, just, I, I didn't want to be by the computer more. Um, so you know, I've never been like in love with DFS. Like I, I just kind of did it because NBA was more interesting to me than, than, than NFL as, as a, as a viewership product. Um, so I was a little happier watching the NBA games, but yeah, I've never been like obsessed with DFS. So it was pretty easy for me to, 
kind of cut the cord on playing main slates this season. Yeah, um, because I, you know, what what hooked you was not like the oh, I, I know that Antonio Gibson is going to break out this week because I saw X, Y, or Z when I was watching the game. It was turning money into more money and like the game elements, right? Yeah. Like the, the how it all fits together, game selection and things like that, because th- that is more attuned to how poker worked, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so NFTs. Yeah. Where, what's, what's, uh, I mean, we did your, we did your Genesis story for what an interesting time. Like we literally did the show, like right before all of this stuff started right. to explode. So what is, what was your Genesis story with, uh, with NFTs and, and decentralized finance? Cause I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. So, so with DeFi, I, I knew DeFi was going on during last fall, uh, last summer I had heard about it, but I was like, you know, I'm not going to bother. I mean, everything seemed like a meme at that point with, with, sushi swap and, and like we didn't understand that, that these would become major players in the game but um it all seemed very meme based at the time and i kind of ignored it and i didn't want to jump in during football season because i didn't want to you know um give it half my attention but then in january I, i've been a luna bull for 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 years um uh the terror network you know i invested really early and uh, I like their their vision for, for how to build things. And I was looking into Mirror Protocol before I had ever done anything with DeFi. And I was like, wait a minute, they're offering you know, like 300% yields on Amazon stock. This doesn't make sense. And of course it really doesn't make sense, but it's it's token admittance. So so I started looking into it. I started doing that. And then I jumped onto Uniswap and, and Sushi. And um, and then soon after I got, I got extremely lucky because, because then I started looking into Binance and I got on pancake r- pretty early. Um, and then everything there exploded and, you know, so, so DeFi, you know, was one of the luckiest things that's happened in, in the past, you know, 10 years. Um, but it's, it's also kind of the future, right? I mean, it, it's yeah. how it work. You can't, you can't look at, you know, going to your bank account or putting money in a, in a CD or an IRA and getting like 0.5% a year when you could be the one getting the fees for people to, to trade. Um, that's, that's how it should be. If you're providing liquidity, you should be the one getting the fees and, and those fees usually add up to a certain percentage a year and it's better than, than bank um, APYs. So it's, it's pretty nice to, to get interest on things you like. Yeah. Uh, and I, I get this feedback all the time and I bet you do too, whenever you, you meet like a normal person out in the world or, or like, I don't know if you read the replies to like an NYT opinion piece, but like, oh, crypto is only used for speculation. There's no real world use for it. No one is doing anything with Bitcoin. No one's doing anything with Ethereum. And I'm like, I have, I'm staking my ETH and my USDC and all of these things. And it's doing all of these things for me and it's replacing a savings account. It's replacing all of these things. And it's like, it's literally already happening. Like the democratization of finance is literally already happening. Yes. But, but I also have people on the other end of the spectrum who are so into crypto that they think that 200% yields are sustainable forever. And they don't understand that the Uniswap right. model is yeah. the only true model of how things should work. Like you should only be getting fees for, for coins you provide. And that's how, that, that's how it will be in the future. But right now, you know, we're all playing the Ponzi scheme game, the Ponzi nomic game. It's not really Ponzi, but, um, you know, where we, we farm and dump and 
can print better yields for sh for short periods of time, but um, it really is, you know, going to change the future of finance. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I do think you make a great point because I I kind of get middled between the the, the two people because like my my best IRL friend is like a Bitcoin maxi, like he's like uh, like you know he'll send text like oh you know if, if you do the math for every person in the world that has a cell phone there's only like 0. 0.003 whatever satoshis yeah. for for everyone and then also you know i'm in these nft discords where they're like uh how can i pay for a vacation in ethereum like you yeah. know and it's it's kind of like these these two worlds and it's it's so fascinating and one of the things that is really interesting to me now that never really interested me that much before is how far behind governments are behind society mm -hmm. like these people who are trying to do taxes for nft stuff like the irs is not going to make it like they you know what i mean like they just have no idea what to do with this stuff yeah yeah the, the i i i tune out a lot of the regulation stuff because it's just so much noise like like the the, the sec the regulatory stuff the what what goes on in congress because We've been hearing about it for years and no progress is ever made. Right. Right. Um, it's all, it's almost like tether fud to me. Like, like I, I was hearing about new tether fud a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, how do you even pay attention to it? You know, like we've, we've been hearing about this since 2017. Um, so I, I tune most of it out, but uh, I, the, the, the recent thread by, by Brian Armstrong, the CEO of, of Coinbase uh, about how he was, kind of strong-armed by the SEC um, and he kept like complying and looking for clarification and kept receiving none. Nothing. Um, right, right. I mean, that, that resonated with me a lot and, and you know, it's, it, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to try to be somewhat honest about paying your taxes on it and, and not really even know the rules still. Like they, they try to clarify things, but then you hear different things in different places and not pay but but i don't know if i'm doing the right thing because they don't know they don't know either. sure so and and i'm lucky that that 2020 was still easy for me because i wasn't doing DeFi or nfts but 2021 i can't even imagine what i'm gonna have to go through trying to figure out what, what I'm, I'm i'm for the first time in my life i'm gonna pay someone i'm gonna <laughs> i and and i don't and i'm not paying someone to be like oh i definitely think you're gonna do a much better job of this than i will but just to build in like a layer of protection, if the IRS yeah. comes back and is like, well, this is all wrong. And I'm going to be like, you got to help me My because you, yeah, right. like you, so, and I, I think that is, uh, I'm actually, I'm going to label a stamp of financial advice. You know, people say not financial advice. I'm going to say financial advice, pay someone, pay mm -hmm. like a licensed person or institution to do yeah. your taxes because assuming that if that's even a concern to you, you've probably done very well on all of these things over the last year. And it's a very good idea to have an institution behind you in that circumstance, even, even if it's just as an intermediary, right? Like an intermediary between you and the IRS. Yeah, for sure. That I'm hundred percent doing it. That that's, that's a very good idea. <laughs> yeah. You can't, uh, you, can't, you can't allow yourself to, to be at, at more risk than you should. No. And yeah. And exactly. I bought a house. I bought a house this year too, which like adds like another L. It's just it's going to be a nightmare. I I can't even talk about it anymore. It gives me anxiety. Um, okay, first NFT you bought was the first one you bought a punk. Is that yes. what is that what happened? Yes. So so I mean I I I had heard about punks. I had heard about Top Shot. 
Um, but at the yeah, time, yeah, you fudded, you fudded us on top. Shots. I did, I did because to me, the, 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 the thing there, I have a mixed view on top shot. Um, Same. I, I also shot, have mixed views on top shot. I think, I think it's, it's brilliant in a number of ways. I think it's really cool. It obviously has really high demand. I think it, it's a great way to organize and have a marketplace and it fixes all every problem that traditional card markets have, right? Like if I have say, I don't know, like a Willie Mays card and I want to sell it and I want to get the right price for it. The best buyer might be some dude in Idaho that I'm never going to find in my life. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to, and like, I have to actually physically send the card. It's, it's a nightmare. Um, I, I, I mean, my friends who, who deal with physical cards have like, tables in their basement and and it's taking over their entire basement and it just seems like a huge time suck and, and top shot fixes all of this and it has incredible demand and opening packs or like trading packs for money is just like it's a great sweat and it's a lot of fun collecting but i i didn't like that a it was super centralized compared to most crypto things um, i mean it's it is it's 100%. super centralized they they made they made the flow blockchain to make Right. Dapper Labs and Top Shot work basically. Right. Uh, the second thing I didn't like was that it the pricing didn't make sense to me at the time because because you know for instance, Luca rookie cards were less expensive than um, you know one of Mason Plumley season right. two series debut right. moments. Exactly. Right. So so the pricing didn't make sense. Um, the fact that that it was all free money where like oh i'm just gonna hop into a queue for a pack and then i could either open the pack and sell the moments or i could just sell the pack unopened and print every single time um all of that didn't seem sustainable to me but i i, I love the idea like it's it's brilliant right so so it's super mixed but yeah i was i was kind of fudding it early um and i'd heard about punks and the more i looked into it the cooler it sounded and it was my first foray into nfts and i i turned down <laughs> I turned down splitting a punk for what would have been like $8,000 USD mm -hmm. with a, with a buddy. And I mean, obviously January, I guess. So it was, like it, was it, it, it was right after we all got into top shot. Right. Yeah. So and I was like, like six or 80th or something in January. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you know, I just, I just bought all these moments. Like I, I obviously have a lot tied up in Bitcoin and ETH. I don't want to, I don't want to create the taxable event of selling those. So like, I'm not going like to do 10X it at that time from four months. Earlier. Yes. Yeah. It was already, I mean, it was already, you know, a, probably even more than 10 X, whatever it was at the beginning of the month. So I will uh, live with that regret for yeah. forever. So what uh, did you choose your punk for any specific reason? Like some people have like a, you know, a story or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was just kind of going through the lowest priced ones and, and this is how you should always approach a new project where you want to buy an NFT that, that already minted. You should look at the floor. You pick one that you think looks good that's close to floor. You ask some buddies who already have it what they think, and you buy it. Um, so what I did was I looked at the bottom, like, 50 or so. I picked something I liked. I sent it to a friend who um, had been, you know, collecting them. And he's like, wait a minute, that's my punk. I own that one, but I listed it for sale, and I forgot, and I was going to delist it. But if you want it, you can buy it. And I was like, well, now I have to buy it because, you know, you liked it and, you know, you were going to delist it and he's being honest. Um, so I bought it and then I just started buying more and more. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that to go back to the point of 
you know, you didn't want to buy because it was already up 10 X in, in four months. There's two ways. So like the way I look at it is I've had five once in a lifetime opportunities in 15 years, right? I had poker, I had DFS, I had Bitcoin, crypto in general, DeFi, and then NFTs, right? And there's two ways to look at it. One is that, you know, compared to the grand population, I'm an early adopter. And that's 100% true compared to, you know, 99.5% of people, I'm, I'm an early adopter. But I wasn't early. Like I had heard about all these things earlier and not bought. And I waited and then got in later, right? So like I got in poker probably 2004 and I had known people in 2003 who were already printing on party poker. And if I had gotten in a year earlier, I, I, I would have been a leg up for when um, everything went crazy and, and I would have been in a much better position. Same with DFS. I got in late, mid, late 2014 and people were grinding it in 2013. Um, same with crypto. I, I, I first heard about Bitcoin when it was under a dollar and I had friends suggesting it when it was $20 and then I didn't buy until it was like four or 500. Um, right. Same, same with DeFi. I didn't get in last summer. I got in, you know, in January. Same with NFTs. I didn't get in, you know, late last year. I didn't get in four years ago with the original Larva Labs minting. I got in in March. So like just because you feel like you're late compared to where you heard, you might be early. Um, and getting in in March turned out to be very early compared to the, the majority of people who found NFTs appealing. Um, so, you know, I, I still, I still think that actually like relatively speaking on, uh, on, on NFTs, I, I kind of had this galaxy brain moment actually on the show last week. I did it with, um, Andy from, from fractional art mm -hmm. Yep. And I, I had not done like the minting and like the profile picture thing and everything. Like I'd been vaguely aware, you know, I did the, I did the top shot thing and all that. And I kind of had this moment where like web three actually clicked for me that like, Oh, we're, we're not going to have, um, you know, usernames and passwords and everything. Like our wallet is going to be our identity and like the associated avatar with that identity. And like, I, it, it, it took a long time for the and and i have you know i've kind of seen it with discord already like you hop into different discords oh like you have a punk like that means a certain thing or you have uh uh an ape as your avatar like that means uh, a certain thing and so the i i still think that probably the current form of nfts existing where like it's a minting and then it's like a race to get your profit and stuff like that will not exist forever mm -hmm. but I feel like NFTs are very much a part of like what our life will be like in 10 years. Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. So, so one way, one thing is that if you just look at the amount of money spent on flexing in general, um, yes. like the average person who does pretty well, say somebody who makes $150,000 a year, um, let's say a single 29 year old man who makes $150,000 a year. How much does he spend on nightclubs, on his car, on watches, on clothes, on expensive haircuts, on nice dinners for dates and things like that? Like the amount spent on flexing is enormous, right? So when you combine the digital world with all that, the amount of flexing I think will go up, but the lion's share will probably shift to digital because for one, there's, there's less um, wear and tear, you know, like you're, you're, Top shot moment isn't going to degrade over time, um, like an ephemeral, you know, nightclub, night out in a nightclub, um, right? Uh, and and for two, you know, like you said, like 
we're, we're going to be so connected to, to everything in the web. Like this is your identity and you know, you're going to represent yourself in some way. Um, and community, the community aspect of it is, is a bit of a gift and a curse, right? So, so on one hand, if you have a strong community, take the, the board apes for, for instance, um, yeah. they, they probably have the strongest community aspect going on. Like they're your cheerleaders, they're your supporters, they're the ones who, you know, like having 4,000 unique people on Twitter with a, with a board ape avatar is, is, is massive, right? Um, For sure. It, it incentivizes the founders to continue building and, you know, giving back to the community. Um, they're, they're, they're almost getting derivatives for this. It's, it's, it, you know, there, there's a lot of incentive. Um, and then you have athletes who are, and, and famous people buying in to be in the club and then marketing it for free, right? Um, like, I don't think, you know, Steph Curry didn't pay directly for it. I'm pretty sure it, the money came from his, you know, one of his sponsorships, but right. if Steph Curry with a board ape avatar, his brother has one, like they're, they're out minting stuff. They're out buying stuff. Like, right. Like that's free advertising from some of the most famous people on earth. Um, you just can't like imagine a six month startup that, that was doing stuff like that. Right. Like getting free advertising from like. Yeah. If this, if there was a parallel for this in the business world, everyone would be rushing all over to say like yeah, they're the next Google or Apple or whatever. Right. right. It's insane. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think the, the interconnectedness with, with our wallet and our identification are, are just another part of it. And, and it's, it's, it's here to stay for sure. Not, not every NFT will be, you know, available on secondary market, like me getting a, a ticket to, yeah. you know, you know, uh, the, the 30th game of the season for the Lakers next season. Um, and having that in my, my private gallery is not, nobody's going to buy that, but it's, it's just going to become a way of life that, that we're going to have NFTs for everything. And some of them will have high secondary value. Some of the ones that we're valuing now will disappear. Um, that's the other side of community. When, when things start going south and people leave the community for others, then that, that project no longer has value. So a lot of these are going to go to zero, um, but not all of them. And uh, the better ones will, will stick around. Yeah. And, and I mean, there are I mean, for every, for every good project, there's like 199 bad ones or whatever, which I'm not even, I'm not even arguing that though. Uh, and I, I talked about this with Andy last week, like a, a defense mechanism for people who knew about NFTs, but were not aping in was like, oh, well, 99% of them are going to go to zero. So that means I don't have to do the deal, deal, due diligence. And it's just like, I mean, like what you said, it is a once in a lifetime opportunity to make money in like a really speculative space. And, uh, you know, it seems like a good idea to, to kind of take advantage of that. So another thing I've really noticed the last couple of weeks is other blockchain protocols are starting to do NFTs. Uh, you know, Solana is doing them. Uh, I saw you ape into Tezos, which I, I really want to ask you about. But I, I guess to begin with, I mean, do you, have, do you have thoughts on the Solana stuff? Like the, they're doing like derivative fake punks there. They're actually going for like a decent amount of money. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I think, I mean, I, I think that's all nonsense. Um, but, but at the same time, I, I, as a punk owner, I'm not against it. Like, I think that, you know, brings more to the original and people will mostly call that as a scam and, and a money grab. And uh, for instance, there was a, a board ape uh, clone built on Solana that, that came out last week. Um, they took the traits from the original board apes and they minted new ones. And uh, I don't think it sold out. 
and they, they had to change things a little bit because because I, I think they were scared of legal repercussions. Um, so so they they kind of printed out a picture, uh, printed out a list of, of the traits and then gave you a one time shot to look at the picture and save it if you wanted. But um, they, they were a little bit worried about about repercussions and it didn't sell out. That, that was really positive to me that, that these copycat projects in the future won't you know, continue doing well. Um, that said, I, I am, you know, I, I bought some Solana NFTs and I bought some Tezos NFTs because uh, I'm not a big Solana fan in general. I, I'm betting on it because it has, you know, SBF is the superstar of our generation, right? Like he's going to be the richest man in the world within, within five years, right? Um, he, he's got a, a huge trading company that's going to be the, the Western version of Binance. He's, you know... He knows how to be an A-plus capitalist, as Timex would say. Um, he's doing everything right. He's got a trading, a trading desk that, that's absolutely crushing in every, in every single way. Um, and he, he, he's a big Solana backer. And I, I just think it's too big to fail. And there's nothing stopping it from becoming the third highest market cap coin. And right now it's sixth or seventh. I don't know. I haven't looked recently. But um, so I'm betting on it, but I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, I just think, you know, there's a lot of block, there's a lot of layer one smart contract platforms and it's not my favorite. So in, in, in my mind, I, I, I don't love it, but, but I'm still going to, you know, bet that it's going to pass Cardano and, and Binance chain. Um, but, you know, I, I think it would be silly not to, to put a small percentage of my NFT portfolio in their NFTs, their early ones that aren't, you know, exact copies. Like I, I won't buy the soul punks, but I, I bought the DGN apes. I bought, um, there's Solana monkey business. I bought a couple other things, the, the fracks and the synapses that I was minting today. Um, and then Tezos, I was looking into because, you know, I, I bought the Tezos I, 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 ICO back in 2016, I think it, it took mm -hmm. years to come out and then everything's been like a very slow development. And it, I started seeing the, the sharper Twitter, you know, traders starting to, to, um, shill Tezos a little bit. And I started looking at it and I was like, let me, let me check out the DeFi and the NFTs. The DeFi was garbage. They, they're, they're like, you're, they're like way behind where, where other, you know, um, even Solana and, and others are, but, uh, their, their NFTs were, were really nice. Um, they had a, a couple, you know, they had an open sea like platform. They had kind of a nifty gateway like platform, but, but a little worse. Um, and I started looking into stuff and I, I bought a bunch because it, it seemed like a really good bet to make on both Tezos and their NFTs. Because if Solana really does blow up, I, I don't think it'll be for NFTs. Um, so, so maybe Tezos ends up the, the best place, the best smart contract platform to trade NFTs other than Ethereum, you know, where, where Ethereum, you know, people are limited by gas. Um, so I, I, I wanted to bet more on it, on Tezos. So I, I bought a bunch of stuff there. Yeah. I mean, there's clearly a need or, or maybe not even a need, but I guess a desire for cheaper transactions. Like Ethereum has solved the fast transactions, right? They, they, they've done a very good job on that. I, I mean, and one of the, one of the brilliant things about Ethereum, I guess, depending on who you ask is that it has, because of the way it, it exists, it has the ability to kind of change and scale based on who is using it and what they're using it for. But no one would argue that, you know, paying $500 for a transaction in gas is, is good. And that, that hasn't existed for a while. I mean, now it's more like 
50 to 80 bucks for most of the day. If there's a couple mints going on, it'll be much more than that, but it's still not good, right? Still, still you, you would like to spend much less. So layer two solutions or other very fast, you know, large block size, um, protocols like they're they're people want that people want to be able to have cheaper transactions like that's obvious yeah and and i mean i I don't really buy the argument because i mean eventually things will shift and it's already getting better but but tezos is also delegated proof of stake which you know it's not using the the electric consumption that that some of the that that ethereum is right now that bitcoin is right now so um the people who are arguing stuff like that, they don't even have that argument on, on Tezos. So um, I just, I, I like the idea of, of, you know, pick my three or four favorite um, layer one uh, smart contract platforms and buy some early NFTs from them and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I l- like the idea of proof of stake in theory a lot, which is, uh, that's like pretty contentious. Like lots of people really like proof of work and I'm not saying proof of work is bad, but like, I, I mean, it's the same reason that I was interested in DeFi protocols really early and staking and stuff. Cause I like the idea of not only like if you're staking something that is, that can appreciate the currency itself or the, the asset itself can appreciate. And you're also earning on top of that, which is like from a fighting inflation perspective, like that's very useful for me. So like I, you know, the idea of like ETH 2.0 and staking your ETH and getting both of the benefits, that's really interesting to me. But the the BTC people really, really hate proof of stake and they really, really hate the Ethereum proof of stake because of the yeah. pre-mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the strongest early arguments I heard for proof of stake over proof of work, not even environmental aspects was, Imagine you wanted to 51% attack a coin, right? And you bought a bunch of hardware and attacked it, right? Um, and you killed, the, you killed the coin. You still have value in that hardware to, to use it for other things, right? If you did that to a, a proof of stake chain, you would need to physically, you would need to actually buy the tokens. And so you're increasing the value of the tokens. You're, you're spending a lot of money, then you kill it. And now you can't transition that those funds anywhere. You just dumped it. So it's much harder to, to 51% attack a proof of stake network. And, and people don't really talk about 51% attacks anymore because the network started growing too big. Yeah, because it's preposterous. Thing. Yeah, it's, it's insane. But, but early on, that was, that was always the, like, one of the biggest concerns. And um, I thought that was a really cool argument where you know, a proof of work can be fully attacked and the person attacking it doesn't lose any value because they still have this working hardware that they can shift over to another proof of works chain, but proof of stake, you can't because you just lit money on fire, killing something. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, there, there's room for, for all sorts of platforms in the future. And I think being a, a maxi on anything is, is probably pretty dumb. That's, that's where I've landed. And I, I, so like as a protocol, I still feel like Bitcoin is the best protocol, right? Like I, I do, I do think that, but I think it's the best protocol at what it's asked to do and where, where the, the, the true Bitcoin people lose me is where they try to make everything like an argument about scarcity or like, how do you know they won't make more punks? And I'm like, well, I know they won't make more punks because the contract has been executed. And they're like, well, you know, Larva Labs, yada, yada. And I, I have gotten to the point to where I think that the, 
the biggest enemy to Bitcoin adoption has become the Bitcoin people, right? Yeah, like, because yeah, you, you don't want to learn anything from those people. They're really, they're really cringe. Um, it, and, and I would say, I was kind of like you, like I would say up until probably mid to late last year, I was still a soft Bitcoin maximalist. I, I, I wasn't a Bitcoin maximalist, but, but most of the other coins I owned, I owned with the intention of flipping it for more Bitcoin, right? So I looked at my cryptocurrency net worth as the number of Bitcoin I had or, or the, the, um, the value of my portfolio in terms of Bitcoin. And that shifted entirely with DeFi. Um, and, and it's no longer the case. And I, I mean, the, the, I don't understand how, how they still look at it as a competitor because it's not. I, I mean, for one, Bitcoin is pretty boring. Like, I, I can't Doesn't do anything. the last time I used Bitcoin. Like, when's the last time you sent a transfer in Bitcoin to somebody to pay them? Uh, well, I, I actually do that because my, my IRL buddies, we've spent so long evangelizing each other that we actually do yeah, everything we, in Bitcoin yeah. because yeah. it, but it, we don't do it because it's easy and we don't do it because that's like the most functional way to do it. We do it as like an ideological thing. Like it's yeah. like ideological between us. I've probably done it maybe three or four times this week. And I use Ethereum every day. I use Luna every day. I use Solana more often. I use my NFTs. I talk about NFTs. I, I'm, I'm never using Bitcoin. And I, I mean, I've, I've had Bitcoin the longest. I still believe in it. I still want, I'll never sell all my Bitcoin. I'm, I'm never going to become, you know, ETH maxi, but um, I, I just don't know how you, how people who just sit and hold something can act like it's, you know, the future, right? Um, people, the future is things that are used constantly, not things that are just held in, you know, safe somewhere. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, they're, they're both part of the future. Like I, but, but things have definitely shifted. Like, I don't think about, you know, ETH is 0.08 Bitcoin anymore. I think of ETH is ETH and, and ETH is that's ETH. what I, yeah, right. I mean, I, I still mainly, I mean, like when I buy NFTs on ETH, it's with the intention of getting more ETH generally, um, or, you know, possibly getting more punks down the road. Um, so like I am kind of gambling. But uh, but with these other networks, I haven't thought like that at all. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, this is just a, a long shot kind of asymmetric play on the network. And I could, I'm could i looking at it as like probable that I take a loss on most of them, maybe at 10x or 20x's. But with, with the Ether ones, I, I, I actively try to not take losses. And I realize that. Um, so in a way, I guess I am a little bit of an ETH maxi nowadays where... Um, I try to accumulate more ETH with, with, with my trades. Which is, uh, that that is, I think, like a, the most common mindset amongst a lot of the, the NFT people that, mm. uh, that I have, have come in contact with. Have a lot of uh, my buddies in uh, uh, a Discord, the, the club NFT Discord mm. that I'm in. It's, uh, I mean, these, the, the whole world of NFTs is just so fascinating to me. Like from a, from a philosophical perspective, like a lot of the NFT stuff, I feel like it all ties into like, you know, stuff I remember reading when I was like 20 about like Frederick Nietzsche and uh, Kant yeah. and Sartre, like, uh, you know, all the, the the existentialism stuff and like even like language and like what is in an identity. It's all it's all just so fascinating to me. Yeah, even even sapiens type stuff where we're, you know, humans looking for a connected story and you know, these communities allow us to have like, you know, some sort of connection with, with a group. 
um, an identity, right? And yeah, it's 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 the most out of left field thing that I've, I've experienced with with crypto or almost anything because because DeFi was was a natural kind of we we'd heard about DeFi for a long time, but nothing ever materialized, and then it started happening. We ignored it, and then when we jumped, yes. in, it's like, okay, this is this is the future. Even though right now it's it's a total Ponzi, it's the future. Um, but but NFTs were were like you know all these all these you know rich nerds start buying crappy art, and what's the world come to, right? Um, but it it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it 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 does. It's um, it's not at all, and then suddenly is is kind of how is kind of how it works. And like I don't just you know there are people right now who who have never bought any any Bitcoin ever who have her fully onboarded on Ethereum, know mm-hmm. how to use know how to use like smart contracts, know how to like know what Web three is, and that a a year ago, two years ago, not a chance. Everyone bought Bitcoin first, and then and then did Ethereum, and and. It's not that I, I certainly am not trying to like FUD Bitcoin or say that I don't love Bitcoin because it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It's hard money. It's sound. It, it, there's only 21 million. Right. I, my dollar cost average buy still goes off without a doubt every single week. But I, I don't know. I, my, my mental energy is, is spent on other stuff because I don't even need to expend the mental energy on, right. on Bitcoin. It just does right. what it's supposed to do. Right. That, that's how it should be in, in, in my view. I mean, if it's something that's, that's sitting in our safe, like that's, you know, where we hold a, a percentage of our net worth and we're happy with that and we don't think about it too much and we can use it to, to transfer large amounts of wealth across the world in, you know, 10 or 20 minutes. But um, it's not something we use every day and it's not what we spend our energy on. And I think that that's kind of how it should be. And I think it should stay, you know, number one or number two. I think it, I think the flipping is is becoming increasingly more likely as as the usage of Ethereum just rockets up. But, um, you know, Bitcoin does exactly what it should. And I, I, I think it, you know, it's something I'll always own and I'll always use as some store of value for, for part of my wealth. But, but like you said, it's, it's not going to be my mental focus for the, the near future. Yep. All right. Got to, got to end the show with some free alpha. Uh, and I will, I will, uh, I will, I will pamp my bags, uh, and give, give away a little bit of, of the stuff that I'm interested in. I, I've seen a lot of these NFTs and literally, I mean, if you go in an NFT discord for a day, you'll see like 20 projects. So I've been, I've been snooping around this stuff for like two ish, three ish weeks at this point. And the, the coolest project I found is, uh, the Penelope's country club because it does exactly what I wanted. It, it offers you a reward for holding. You can stake it. There's a way to arbitrage based off of like a tradable token that can be traded easily on sushi swap. Like it's, it's amazing. So if like, if, if one of my normie friends was like, Oh, I, I want to buy an NFT, that would be the one that I would, uh, that would be the one that I would show them. Um, so what, uh, what's, what's some of your alpha? It's, it's hard because you know, you have this group of, of, you know, pretty sharp eight figure net worth professional gamblers who can right. turn on a dime and, and sell. And we're, you know, we're splashing around with an edge, but we could, we could, you know, change our mind and, and, and pivot. And it's sure. hard for, for a normie to, to, to try to, 
emulate us in any way like yeah it's much it's a you're you're playing a different game right right so like i mean my 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 most high upside is is the, the tezos i think because the tezos nfts because all right so the way i look at it is if you try to generally estimate the market cap of an nft um you kind of look at like what's the ratio like what's the uh, multiple of the, the top ones versus the floor. And then you try to estimate, you know, how much, you know, the total market cap is. So for, so for punks, the multiple is huge between the aliens, the seven attribute and the floor punks. I think it's probably about 250 to 400X, right? I think, I think the seven attribute would go for around 30,000 ETH. Um, some of the best aliens would too. And the floor punks are going for about a hundred. So, so say, you know, 300X, right? Whereas with the board apes, it, it might only be like 20 to 25 X. Like some of the top 10 apes will go for like 700 ETH, whereas the floor ones are going for like 35 to 40, right? So, so with the punks, I, I usually say two times the supply times the floor price, um, that's the market cap, right? With the, with the apes, I might say one and a half times the floor times the supply is the market cap, right? So with, with the, the Tezos, the Tezards, Right now, the floor price is something like $3,500, um, $4,000. There's only 4,200 opposed to 10,000. Um, they're not quite as stratified, I don't think, where they, they don't really, they have a few top end ones, but I don't think they're, you know, 300 times the multiple. So say it's like 1.8X times, um, you know, supply times floor price. It's probably on the, on the order of like, $30 million for, for the market cap. And when you look at punks, the punk market cap is probably about seven, seven and a half billion. Um, the apes market cap, including the mutants and other stuff might be like one and a half, two billion. Um, something, something that that's the premier profile picture of a network that could become one of the premier NFT networks has a market cap of like 30 million. And I, yeah. I, I don't think it'll ever have, you know, a billion dollar market cap, but it could easily have a $200 million market cap. So that, that, that's the one that, you know, I, I think has the most upside, but, you know, maybe, maybe they all just go to zero too. And I'm, I'm just kind of lighting some money on fire, but um, that I, I made some, some things that I think are asymmetric bets like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes back to, it's tough to emulate, you know, professional gamblers who are splashing around because right if the floor price is is say like thirty five hundred dollars that's still a lot right that's still a lot of money for a lot of people um but compared to some of these other projects that's one eth um and if you look at the market caps of of the eth profile picture products um i don't think the tezos one would be top 25 like i can name at least 10 that have bigger market caps right Right. Uh, so that, that's, that's just the, uh, the, the one I think probably has the most upside, but, but probably has higher variance too. Like it could, you know, one third X. Yeah. I, I, I actually, one third X. I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about punks too, because I feel like everyone just kind of is like, okay, you know, punks are what they are. They're just, uh, the price is going to go up forever. Uh, punk they are the bluest of blue chips as it as it pertains to 
um, you know, as it just pertains to NFTs as a whole. And it sounds like it sounds like you have that bullish stance. But I, I, I like how high can the punks reach be? Can this be like I mean, you know, Jay-Z has one, right? Odell has one. Like, can this be can a, can a crypto punk be like the thing that tr- like the true, you know, Jeff Bezos owns a punk? Like, I mean, to me, that's what it feels like. It feels like there is not a limit for how high the flex of owning a punk can be, but maybe that is, uh, maybe that's like too bullish. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it definitely has upside from here. Like I was saying, it's say the market cap 7 billion, that would not place it within the top um, 25 tokens on CoinGecko, right? And some, some of the ones there are, are like Ethereum classic, you know? Stellar lumens, like nobody uses this. Ethereum stuff. classic, right? Yeah. Like, like it, it's hard. It's hard. So, like, here's a separate rant. But to be a, to, in my mind, to be a truly great trader, you need to be able to be dropped into a situation, understand the logic and rules that are governing that system, and value things properly within the confines of those rules. If you start like taking yourself out of that system and looking at everything logically, you might, you know, th- that's a better medium to long-term view, um, but you can't really value invest for some of this stuff, right? Um, like clearly Ethereum Classic should be worth roughly $0 market cap, but it's, yep. but it's like 7 billion, right? So you can't, you, you, you almost have to, within the confines of crypto, compare projects, right? And I, I just think punks have more than top 20, top 30 upside. Um, and the way I see it, if you start looking at like the really cool stuff, like like the generative R, I mean, for Dens is how old are they? Like four months? Punks are four years old, right? You know, they're they're 12 times as old as Fidenzas are. Um, they they spawned everything. And and um, autoglyphs too were were probably the first generative art made by Larva Labs, which is their second project after after the punks. Um, there, there were some older projects, but they weren't like as well done as punks, I don't think. And they weren't um, with, you know, they haven't spawned like the copycat movement that the punks have. So I think punks will really hold value extremely well. Um, they have ups, they have room to, to grow from here. I, I don't know how much, I don't think they have a 10X left in them, but I think they certainly have a 3X against Ethereum in them, which is huge, right? Um, and some of the other ones, you know, obviously, you know, you, you have to look at them differently. You know, uh, apes are not like punks. Like punks are the Bitcoin of the NFT world. They're how you s- store some value. Um, they're the premier project. Like Ether Rocks are also like a store of value, right? Um, no matter how stupid you, you might think they I are. I know. It's incredible. I can't, e- I can't even, I can't even refute it, but you're right. They yeah. somehow, somehow Ether Rocks are a store right. of value. The, the board apes are really not a store of value, right? They're, they are a community and they're um, a lifestyle brand and they're um, a bunch of other things, but they're, they're not as much a store of value. Like if we hit a true bear market, maybe the punks go down to like 40, you know, ether for four, 35 ether. I don't think they'll go below 20 again. I think they're, they've, they've gone beyond that, but they could easily drop like 50, 60% from here. The apes might be able to drop 90%, right? And and 90% would still be a pretty strong project in the grand scheme of things compared to how much some things that are dropping 99 or 100% are, are active. So um, 
they're not as great a store of value, but they have different aspects. So like you almost have to compare the, the NFT projects to, to other, you know, crypto coins and how, how currencies work and, and smart contract platforms work. Um, so I, I look at the apes as, as Luna, like they are right. in their own little universe. They're building derivatives and things on top of it that get airdropped. Um, it's kind of, you know, got some, some real world appeal, like for some reason, celebrities seem to, um, flock towards punks and apes over some of these other ones. I mean, I, I heard Kevin Durant on penguins, but, but he's not the sharpest compared to, uh, some, some other NBA players. Like I think Iggy, Iggy owned a, an ape, um, chef owned an ape, chef's brother. The, the NBA players being into NFTs is like my favorite wrinkle. Like I love, yeah. I love that. Like it's all come full circle from, from top shot rugging us with like 900 packs, uh, mm-hmm. at a time. And now like, uh, you know, they're all buying like pudgy penguins and stuff. It's amazing. Josh Hart on top shot is still one of my favorite NFT stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you he see loves what happened it. with it? Yeah, we're like a guy gifted him a Josh Hart moment and, and he Josh sold Hart it immediately, immediately turned around and sold it for 2K. <laughs> the guy's like, Bruce, you sold the thing I gifted you. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But um, no, yeah, I mean the, the celebrities they, they seem to love some some projects, and it seems like more of the popular younger celebrities like like athletes are, are gravitating towards apes than than some other ones. Um so, so it's more like a like a supreme lifestyle brand than than a, a Bitcoin store of value. So you, you almost have to like look at it's like it's like a sneaker place. drop. Like that's what I think yeah. of some of these NFTs. It's like everyone waits right. in line on the Nike sneakers app to get exactly. there to get their exactly. limited edition right. shoes. And it's like, well, why can't that exist online? Like, why do we have to why do we have to make like does it doesn't have to be physical? Like there's no difference between a Nike sneaker. Uh, like functionally and uh, you know an ASIC or something right right um but but I, I do think for for a lot of people like like for instance Strasser loves to value an investor kind of try to figure out how much stuff is worth I think that's a good idea for things you're not sure of if you're if you're not sure if you're you don't have a strong opinion be logical and try to take a medium long-term view and that's a better approach than trying to tail, you know, rich poker players who are gambling with the, with a small edge that might move faster than you because they're, they're locked into everything going on. And if you're a week or two slow, you might get caught holding a bag and it's, 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 it's tough. It's, it's very tough to, to chill projects because I mean, I still think we're, we're, early in nfts but a lot of these projects the, a project can have like a four hour window where it's profitable and yeah. then it's gone yeah. yeah that that's probably my that would be that would be my alpha is that something i've learned from minting one of these projects going to sleep with everyone making money and and then waking up and the floor is 0.02 ethereum and being like yeah. well all right uh that uh that one's gonna be a loss and sometimes yeah. that happens and that's okay yeah. my buy buy a per those are those are uh they're my favorite. They're amazing. I, uh, the, the, the guy who, the guy who is behind them was like the, the OG crypto kitty guy owned, owned like the most crypto kitties, okay. which is amazing. Um, you gonna, what are you going to do for NFL? you going to play this week. We're going to see, are we going to see you in the Thunderdome this week? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I'm probably not going to play main slate. I'll maybe register for tonight. Uh, I'm, right now I'm, I'm in the middle of an auction <laughs> for a, one of one. So I'm, I'm starting to do less profile picture stuff and a little more art 
Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to win an auction for a really cool piece. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that auction is going to go longer or, or shorter, um, but I might, I might register for the three showdowns again and not. see what happens. Yeah. Um, have you been, have you played cards at all? Have you been, have you been in the games or just that? No, no, literally no interest in it. Huh? So, so, I mean, in the past, I used to be very, very good at compartmentalizing my finances where, yeah. um, you know, I would, I could play DFS and, and have like, you know, say six figures of buying a week in NFL season. And then you move to golf where I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a winner, but I'm not as big a winner. So let me play like 2,500, 3,000 worth of buy-ins here. Oh, I can play poker. I'll play, you know, two, five, um, a bunch of two, five tables. And that's how I compartmentalize. But, but once I reached a certain point with, with crypto, I'm like, I can't, I can't, the, the stakes I would be a winner at compared to the stakes I, I play in anything else now is, it's just like not worth the time, you know? Um, it's really hard. It's really hard to go back. Yeah. And the games are, the games are tougher and everything. Right. And yeah. you kind of, you kind of got to go where the margins of error there's are no larger. Can, there's no way I can walk into a 10, 20 PLO game and be a winner unless there's like some mega whales in it, but like, I'm not going to be sitting around like waiting for the, waiting games, for the right? text. Like, that, yeah. yeah. So, so I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not willing to go grind like one, two or two, five anymore. And yeah, I just, it, it's hard to go play it's hard to, to, to go back and play just for fun and not try to be a winner. Like I'm, I'm never going to try to do something where I'm a losing player. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to ever go back and play poker, but maybe, maybe, you know, maybe a main event here and there, I, I'm not going to go this, this, this fall, I don't think, but um, we'll see. Yeah. It's a, it's a mindset that I just find very fascinating and you see lots of this from guys who played poker, but like, when the money's not there anymore, when it, when the games dry up, when it's a little bit harder, you move on to the next thing. And the next thing, like, uh, you know, Bales has done a great job of doing that. Like he did, he did his time in fantasy sports and now he's doing the next and, uh, TJ, who I think, you know, um, yeah, like, you know, he, he just like basically doesn't play DFS anymore and, and does yeah, And it's, uh, it's a very hard thing for, you know, a lot of, like a lot of people to understand, like, Oh, I don't have a profession. Like my profession is using my brain to make money. And like, that's, yeah. it's a very, it's very hard for most people to, to think of things that way. It's not, it's not our operant conditioning at all. Right. Right. And, and so, so this is a little bit of a hot take and it goes against something I said earlier, but I think there's a chance that in, you know, 15 or 20 years that cryptos as we know it are worthless. And something new has come along that, that's, that's just better, right? That we there's, can't even imagine, that right, we don't even right. have a conception of. Exactly. And, and, but I'm not worried about that because from, from what I've seen over the past 15 years, whatever it is, we're going to be early on it, right? And as long as you're early on it, it doesn't matter that, you know, the, the past thing that you were early on and did well with is no longer viable. So as long as you continue staying out in front of things, you know, you're in good shape. Um, and you don't Which have is, to be, you don't and have you gotta to work the earliest either. And you have to keep an open mind. I mean, that's where, that's where, I mean, I've been trying to tell people about crypto stuff for literally like five years now. And yeah. maybe they literally, and I bet you've had this happen in your real life too. You've been telling people about crypto forever and either they're still totally resistant or the first thing they ever bought was Doge. 
it, right it exactly was doge was doge multiple people were like yeah i i I, mean, I had a 3x on doge i'm like why did you buy doge at 11 cents when like i thought it was worthless and then they sold it at 35 cents and i'm like okay good for you well, but good like, for you yeah, yeah. Yeah. You learned that you, you learned the wrong lesson is like, that's what it is. It's like you, you, you looked at it and you learned the wrong lesson, which is frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. That was a, that was a great show. Thank you very much for joining. Normally I have people plug something at the end, but I don't, I don't think you have anything to Not plug. Much. Just, yeah, uh, never anything yeah. <laughs> maybe, a, maybe a, uh, you had a, you had a huge tennis bet the other day, right? Uh, I didn't actually bet it. Uh, I, I definitely felt very strongly that it was one of the best of the year, but I didn't actually bet it. Um, which, which I mean, is, is in a way frustrating, but on the other hand, it's like, am I really going to sit and hunt around for outs? And, and I started doing like EV calculations of like, what would be worth it and, and how much EV I'm actually right. meaning for like, how much am I making on a $10,000 bet? If I think it's, you know, the lines off by, by 8%, 8%. Out it's not yeah. that much. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm like, I'd rather just enjoy the match and I, I don't need to make everything about EV. Um, Let me tell you the, the people, the people grinding out 8% EV for a living in sports books. Those are not people you want to be friends with. Those are, well, those are, those well, are people who work very, very hard. This 8% bet was, was probably one of the best bets of the year for sure. I mean, like, the majority of bets they're probably winning like you know you have to win 52 and a half percent they're probably like 54 percent if they're you know winning sports better this was probably like a 63 percent type of type of deal where like it doesn't come around that often but i mean it's not my you know it's not how i make my money and i'm, I'm okay with with just having like a public position on it is enough skin in the game enough. you know right yeah well, there you go. Every once in a while at RC doubt, he will drop a little bit of free alpha every once in a while. Uh, thank you very much for joining the show and everyone will be, uh, we'll be back next week.